And just so you know, by the way, there are a lot of pens we have in the church. We've uh, had ordered uh, that have the church information on there. You're welcome to take the stash if you want. There's a lot more. You could take them. And then if, if you'd like to give them out, feel free to give them out to uh, anybody you meet. Uh, waitresses, waiters, uh, bank tellers. Anybody that can use a pen and usually distributes it, that's a good way to at least get the, the word out about the church. As we try to just create many opportunities for people to uh, find out more about what God's doing. Uh, so this first um, page that we have here, this uh, we're diving into this series, Rooted and Grounded. As I was saying before, it's about 10 lessons. <clears throat> as we are kind of shifting gears a little bit from having it on uh, Monday nights to Sunday mornings. And now we're going to be moving it to Wednesday nights. And as we kind of move through the 10 lessons, uh, and it's going to, for some of you, maybe be a refresher. For others, it may be hearing it for the first time. And for others, it's, it's you know, uh, learning things even more, uh, kind of nailing down what we believe and uh, putting down some, uh, some roots. And so I've asked Brother Josh to help me read tonight. And this first uh, lesson plan, the subject is your new life, the new birth. And we're going to be talking about um, just some of the very basic stuff in the Word of God. Uh, and may we never forget that even though some may consider things basic in the Word of God, others that see this, uh, that haven't been around it many times, may look at it as revolutionary. It'll change a life. Uh, so to some it may seem basic. To others, uh, it's brand new and it's fresh. And one thing that... I have found, and I know many of you have found, anytime you open up the Word of God and the Scriptures, it could be something you've read a thousand times, but you read it the one thousand and one time, and you see something new. You're like, wow, I didn't realize that. And that has new implications for my life, and I'm learning more about the things of God, the Word of God. Uh, and so tonight, it's about the new birth. And Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7, Brother Josh. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So in this first uh, couple chapters of the first book of the Bible, uh, the very beginning, the genesis of man, uh, we read about how that God began to create man. And we read about one element, uh, the origination of the, the life of man. And the first fill in the blank there is life comes from God. And that is what we have read. We read in Genesis 2 and 7 that God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. The life comes from God. The life that we live comes from God. Without the breath of God in our lives, uh, we're, we're dead. God can at any time take that life right out from us. Uh, but we want to establish from the very beginning that life comes from God. And this particular uh, passage of Scripture, it's the physical life that man has uh, comes from God. And then the very next verse that we have here on the, the lesson is the, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, and verse number 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous 
shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So from Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse number 20, we see that the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So sin brings death or separation because death is really separation is what it really is in its basic form. Brother Julian. Is that death and separation? Yes. Death and separation. And really those are interchangeable terms. Uh, We think about the uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and the Bible says that uh, God told Adam that the, the one that eats of that tree shall surely die. And we don't see after Adam ate the tree, ate from the fruit of the tree, that Adam fell over dead in the ground. But there was a spiritual death that occurred. Uh, and it, it basically lets us know that the death is a separation uh, between the, uh, the Spirit of God and man. And that was the death that was experienced in the Garden of Eden. Uh, another passage of Scripture uh, on the subject of sin is found in, it's not here in your notes, but you can maybe write in the margin, it's in the book of Romans chapter 3 and 23. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So lest any of us think that we are above reproach and we are uh, fell into the, uh, the deception of our spouse and tell us you're an angel. We're not angels. We're, we're trying to be perfect, but there is yet sin in our lives. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, and so sin brings that death or that separation from uh, man from God. The book of Romans chapter number 7, uh, and I'm just going to turn there briefly. And you're welcome to turn there as well if you like. Uh, immediately following the book of Acts, I believe, is the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 7. There are a couple of uh, sections of verses that I want to call attention to in the book of Romans chapter 7. And it's beginning with verse number 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were late, we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. Everyone say newness of spirit. Uh, Brother Josh, if you read verse 18 and 19. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is, to, is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not do, that I do. How many want to try to interpret verse number 19? For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Amen. It's the Apostle Paul, the writer of Romans, talking about that internal struggle, that, that age-old struggle between good and evil. It's that age-old struggle when you find ourselves, well, and you can see someone that comes to church for the first time, Never heard about the things of God. Never heard about the Bible. Never heard about Jesus. And they find uh, they find something uh, of tremendous value in the presence of God, the house of God. And they say, "I want to. I want to do this. I, I want to walk this way. I want to. 
I want to live for God. And then they find immediately that struggle that begins to set in once they leave the church doors. Well, I wanted to do right, but this flesh, it, 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 there's a struggle. And the things that I want to stop doing, those I find myself engaging in time and time again. And Romans chapter 7 reveals that age-old struggle between good and evil in our lives. And that uh, in other, also in other uh, verses throughout this chapter, that works alone will not save us. The theme, it seems, uh, through the book of Romans is that element of grace. Uh, and there, there's many things that we could talk about with grace and, and, uh, and its impact, its implications in our lives. Uh, and we find that in Romans chapter 7, works alone will not save us. That doesn't mean that works uh, won't save us. But works alone won't save us. Someone can really easily interpret that scripture and say, well, I don't have to do anything. Works alone doesn't save me. Works alone by itself won't save you. But works combined with faith and combined with other elements in scripture will bring about salvation. It's not just simply, uh, well, I believe in my heart, but never any works. Works alone. If if you just come in and and you say, well, I'm just going to do exactly what the, the preacher says. I'm just going to be uh, baptized in the tank over there and I'm just going to try and speak in tongues and, and practice the prayer language and, and do works. But you never have repentance. You never have belief. You never have faith in your heart that God is able to do it. That's works alone. There has to be faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we're going to begin to dive into some elements here uh, as we begin to talk about the new birth of uh, Second Peter chapter three and verse number nine, brother Josh. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is not God's will, and God does not want us to be lost. Amen. Amen. God does not want anyone to be lost. It's His will that all should come to repentance. That, that it's not his will that any should perish. The Bible says that he, he's long-suffering to us. And he doesn't want you to be lost without him. He wants everyone to come to repentance. Yes. This is what we read about in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. God does not want us to be lost. He's not wanting you to be perished. He's not. Hell was created for the devil, for the devil and his angels, the fallen angels. It was not created for, for you and I. But if we uh, serve that taskmaster of sin, the devil, we will partake in the same reward he's going to get in the lake of fire. But that's not what God wants for us. It's God's will that we don't perish, that we don't experience eternal damnation, but that we all come to repentance. That's right. And God does not want us to be lost. That's right. And that's why God sends a preacher and God created the vehicle of the church and and. Uh, the type is of Noah and, and the ark, getting into that ark to be saved. And there's a lots of types and shadows we can talk about, but uh, make no mistake about it, God does not want us to be lost. That's right. He does not get pleasure over sending people down that path to hell. Right. That's right. There is a plan that God has uh, for, for us, for humanity, for mankind. And it is a plan for every race, every nationality, every walk of life, the rich, the poor, the middle class, 
every color, every walk of life, every background, every heritage for everyone. Those in prison, those out of prison, those in trouble, those in good times. This is not a uh, this is this Bible is not something that is just for the down and out and not for the up and out. The Bible is for everyone. It's not God is not one that any should perish. He doesn't look at you and look at your bank account and treat you differently. He doesn't look at you and look at your skin color and treat you differently. He says, I want everyone to come to repentance. And so Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 21, we begin to see that plan coming into fruition. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. We see in the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21 that when sin first comes into, into the earth and Adam and Eve see that they're sinful, they see that they're naked. The first thing is uh, we see is uh, the Lord made coats of skin and clothed them. Sin requires a covering. There must be a covering for sin. Otherwise, we'd all be walking around in the buff. And it, it would sin requires a covering. There, there must be a covering for sin. And without the shedding of blood, as we're going to talk about in Hebrews chapter 9, 22, there's no remission of sin. Brother Dool. I, I, I was thinking of sacrifice. Do so you think that's the same covering sin requires a sacrifice? Oh, yeah, it, it's. It, I would say it's, it's synonymous uh, because there was a sacrifice as the Lord had to kill an animal and sacrifice it so that that's, that animal's coat of skin could cover that sinful person, Adam and Eve. And it did require a sacrifice. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Amen. Everyone say no remission. No remission. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So we read about sin requires a covering. And what is the covering that we have? We're not walking around Adam and Eve's coats of skin on us. But the blood is that covering. The blood is that covering. And as we talk types of shadows and how the picture begins to come into uh, clarity for our lives, we can go and we can reference the book of Exodus, chapter 12 and verse number 13, talking about the Passover, how that God spoke to uh, Moses uh, on the night before the Passover and said, I want you to cover uh, the doorpost of your house with blood of that, that animal, that perfect sacrifice. And when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over. That blood was that covering for the, those people. Amen. And the blood has to also be applied to our lives. The blood is that covering. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, Unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third, again the third day according to the Scriptures. 
So the writer of 1 Corinthians is saying, Moreover, brother, I declare to you the gospel. That's the subject here, the gospel. And he continues uh, elaborating on the gospel. What is the gospel? For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again. The plan of salvation, according to the, we have the underlying, the underlying point, bullet point here. The plan of salvation is revealed in the gospel message. And I want to attempt to show you that for the next couple of minutes. The gospel, or define the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, Christ, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was buried in the ground. And on the third day, he rose again. That's the gospel. That, and the plan of salvation is revealed in the gospel message. Salvation identifies us with Christ as we begin to obey the plan set forth in the death, burial, and resurrection. We identify with Christ. In the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, We'll read that. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So repentance is that dying out to the flesh. It's death to the flesh. Repentance equals death to flesh. It's a dying out of the flesh. That's why we come and we come before the, the Lord, whether it be in a, an altar, whether it be at home, whether it be wherever, and we lift up our hands, or however you go about doing it, and you repent. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. It's not just expressing remorse for your past behaviors and lifestyle and, and so on. But repentance is, in fact, a dying out to the old man. It's a turning away and it's a new start. It's going a different direction. It's a 180 degree turn. And that is dying out to flesh. It's death to the flesh. And the second element as we make the connection between the burial of, uh, the burial of Christ is baptism. Baptism equals the burial of the flesh. As Christ died on the cross, we repent of our sins. As Christ was buried in the ground, we are baptized. And there are, there are scriptures we can show here uh, in the Word of God that, that make that direct connection between baptism and buried, uh, the burial of Jesus Christ, such as buried with Him in baptism. The scripture of the Word of God that says we're buried with him in baptism. Direct connection between baptism and a burial of the flesh. Uh, there's also a scripture uh, in the word of God that makes the connection between uh, Noah's ark going through the waters and the burial of the old world. There's another connection the word of God uh, with baptism as it talks about the children of Israel leaving Egypt and going through the Red Sea 
and the old world buried in the water. Pharaoh and his army buried in the water. Baptism is that burial of flesh. And the third element is the Holy Ghost equals the resurrection of flesh. Resurrection of flesh. That just as Jesus uh, rose again on the third day with that resurrection power, the Holy Ghost is that regeneration. It's that new life. It's the... Uh, it's the uh, resurrection of, of our spirits, of our souls. As we begin to just touch it on it briefly, the very next verse in the handout there in Luke chapter 13 and verse number 3. I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall, like, you shall all likewise perish. So it does not sound like there's exceptions to repentance. Repentance is necessary. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. There's no other option. There's no other alternatives. According to the words of Jesus Christ. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repentance is necessary. And I would also elaborate on that a little bit more and say that we ought to live a repentant lifestyle. It's not a one and done thing. It's not, well, I, I repented back in 1984. It's, it's every day, God, I'm turning away. God, I'm, I'm continuing to reject the old nature that wants to come up. I'm, re, I'm, I'm repenting, God. I, I'm, I'm putting that flesh in the ground. I'm, I'm, burying, I'm, I'm killing out that flesh. I'm dying out to the flesh. I'm living a repentant lifestyle. It's a consistent dying out to the flesh. And repentance is necessary according to Luke chapter 13 and verse number 3. If we had time, we'd give you a bunch more verses. Uh, if you're interested, let me know. I can give you more verses. Uh, we could elaborate on a little bit more of these. However, we only have a short time on Wednesday nights, and we don't want to keep you here all night. Amen. But talking about repentance. The very next verse uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. Which sometime were disobedient. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water, the like figure wherein to even baptism that also now save us, not putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So how many would say that if Noah and his family did not get in the ark, how many think they would have survived? No one. They had to get in that boat. And they had to get through that water. It was the only way to, to get to that water. And this scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 through 21, tells us about the days of Noah and while the ark was a preparing and the eight souls that were saved by water Saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. That direct connection is there. Baptism does save us. We can talk about Mark 16 and 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. There's a lot of scriptures that 
they work hand in hand. There, there's a scripture in the Word of God that says, "He that uh, believe on thine, believe on the Lord, thine thy house, and thou shalt be saved." That's true. That's in the Word of God. You're to believe, but there's elements that have to come together. They have to mesh, and it's he that believeth and is baptized. And then you see it later on in the book of Acts chapter uh, 19, I believe it is, where uh, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And we see different things begin to come together. Oh, so it's not just me having to believe, but I have to believe and be baptized. And then another, in Acts 19, it's uh, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And, Whoa, I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had to believe. Now I find I got to believe and be baptized. And then now I've got to believe and be baptized and get the Holy Ghost. And we see the scripture begin to come together. And Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so we begin to see that uh, baptism is to be in that name, in the name of Jesus. Brother Josh has read in the book of Acts chapter 2 and 38, the top of page number 2, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. If you're not, if it's not in the name of Jesus, there's no authority. If you sign a check for the Paul to me and you try to be funny guy and put brother, I could take it to the bank and they were like, I don't know, brother. If you said Paul, I could take your word for it, pay to the order of it, and you would have Paul's name at the bottom. But if he signs a brother, or or my dad signs me a check and says father, or or whomever. Friend, that's not going to work. There's no authority in the title. It has to be in the name. And Acts chapter 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other name. For there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And so that underlying their area under 1 Peter 3, 20-21 is baptism is necessary. Baptism is necessary. Otherwise, Noah and his family would not have been saved except through the water. Amen. John chapter 3, as we're quickly wrapping up, John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8, Jesus answered, and I'll let Brother Josh, I got ahead of him. Go ahead, Brother Josh. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst, cannot tell Whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So, Jesus, as we read, is talking to the man by the name of Nicodemus, and is giving him, laying out the plan of how to be born again. Many people in this world, in this age, will tell you, I'm a born-again Christian. We hear that term a lot, I'm a born-again Christian, I'm, I'm uh, we were seeing it, I think, just a few days ago. I'm a uh, one God apostolic tongue talking, born again, Bible, all this 
you know, it's just like almost like Christian rap in a uh, in children's nature or something. But uh, there's a lot of truth uh, when we, we when, when we begin to dissect that term "born again." What does that mean to be born again? It doesn't not mean that we go back in our mother's womb because that would be a painful experience. It was one time enough. But Jesus begins to explain what it means to be born again. Except the man be born of water. That's a baptism we just talked about. And of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit, and that's a capital S for the Spirit of God. Amen, amen. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Marvel not, I said you must be born again. And listen to this. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the what? Sound the thereof. sound. Thou hearest the sound Amen. thereof. Amen. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. There is always an audible sound associated with being born of the Spirit. There is always an audible sound associated with being born of the Spirit, just like the wind. Acts chapter 1, I think it is, uh, 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house of their city. And and there appeared in them cloven tongues like as a fire, and they all stayed with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God gave them utterance, but there was a sound. Acts chapter 2. Here it is, Acts chapter 2 and verse, I keep getting ahead of myself, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's not a prayer language, folks. It's the Spirit that does the work. It's not something I teach you or, or somebody else in the church teaches you how to, how to speak in tongues. It's a, it's a work of the Holy Ghost. It's a work of the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you will speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. <clears throat> and as we conclude uh, this last section here, uh, going forward, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So there has to be a cleansing of all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. We have to address the flesh problem and we have to address the spirit problem. You can't just address the flesh problem and you can't just address the spirit problem. It's cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. And that is the perfecting of the holiness, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 15, the last one as we close. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. 
but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Read that again. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Continue on, please. Now if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The process whereby this new birth takes place is that process of adoption. Being born into the family of being uh, being adopted into the family of God, uh, taking his name in the waters of baptism, having his spirit inside of us through the infilling of the Holy Ghost and preceded by a repentant heart. Uh, it is, and as we kind of uh, summarize in closing, we've talked about how that the life comes from God as we read in the book of Genesis. And sin that entered into the world brought about that death and that separation. And there is that struggle between good and evil that we deal with and as we begin to look at the, the uh, predicament that man finds itself in, uh, it's not God's will for us to stay in that condition, in a lost condition, but that all should come to repentance. And God begins to give us the plan for that uh, salvation uh, through the covering, because sin requires a covering, and the blood is that covering, and that blood is applied in our heart, in our, in our lives, in the waters of baptism. And... The plan that we talked about on the bottom of the first page in 1 Corinthians is the gospel. Identifying with Christ through the gospel. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Or that, that repentance, that baptism, and the infill of the Holy Ghost. And that is a process that God chooses uh, to, to save mankind. And it is God's will, amen, that we experience newness of life. And so if what I want to accomplish here is begin to establish in our in our church and have give you the material through the uh, through the use of a handout that you can begin to take these scriptures and you can begin to study it a little bit more on your own and say what is it that we believe? Let me get this down in my heart so that when somebody asks of you, Amen, you don't you're not caught off guard and I'm not sure what I believe. I know we believe this, but I'm not really sure. But you can begin to take the scriptures home with you and begin to read them and study them and search the scriptures. Amen. For in them, there is eternal life. Amen. Through the scriptures, as we apply it to our lives. Amen.